1: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 348 of the Packaday podcast. My name is Andy Herman. You can always follow me on Twitter at Scani sports. I'm also a writer for Cheesehead TV. We're closing in on episode 365 of the podcast, so we're super excited about that. Packers training camp is going to be here before you know it, and we are now officially only 24 days away from the Hall of Fame game. August 1st, Falcons and Broncos. It's going to be here before you know it. You can taste it. You can smell it. But before that, we had a really exciting holiday weekend this weekend. First and foremost, congratulations to the U.S. women's national team uh, winning the World Cup. Bringing home the trophy, it was absolutely a captivating run, and that was super exciting, so congratulations to them. They certainly deserved it, and uh, I know I was a huge hardcore fan of theirs going throughout uh, this entire World Cup, caught every single one of the games, and uh, again, just uh, super proud of them for bringing home the World Cup, and they certainly deserved it and certainly earned it. Uh, Some words from Packers Nation about the Women's World Cup. Uh, The Packers themselves tweeted out, congrats, U.S. Women's National Team, hashtag one nation, one team. Mason Crosby tweeted, great win, well-deserved. Alan Lazard tweeted, congrats to the U.S. women's national team on another successful run. Hashtag USA. And of course, QB1 Aaron Rodgers tweeted, incredibly inspiring World Cup by our U.S. women's national team. So fun to watch. Hashtag legacy. Hashtag leaders on and off the pitch. Hashtag equal pay. Uh, so that was super exciting. We also had Kawhi and Paul George team up to go to the Clippers. Uh, so that was interesting. The you know Bucks hopefully have a little bit of an easier run to the finals with Kawhi out of the East. The U.S. men's national team unfortunately lost in the Gold Cup final, but it was a really exciting weekend for sports in this time where we don't have football quite yet. But enough about that. This is a Packers podcast. I've got a lot of exciting Packers stuff lined up for you today. And first of all, in just a moment, I'm going to be playing an interview that I did uh, over the weekend with Packers inside linebacker Curtis Bolton. He's an undrafted free agent inside linebacker out of Oklahoma. If you're not you know aware or if you're unsure about who Curtis Bolton is, uh, even if you know who he is, I cannot tell you enough uh, to stick around for this interview. He was fantastic. He was amazing, Uh, certainly super engaging. He's going to kind of tell you his plan on how he plans on kind of making this roster, why he chose Green Bay, the process of going from Oklahoma through the draft process and then signing with Green Bay as an undrafted drafted free agent. Uh, he had a Packers visit before uh, he signed with the team, so that was interesting as well. And then I really think you're going to find it interesting to to hear a little bit about who's really helped kind of mentor him and help him transition from college into the NFL. I think that was one of the really huge takeaways. So, we're going to get into that in just a moment. I think you're really going to enjoy that interview. Uh, but before that, I just want to also let you know that uh, once that interview is done, I'm going to be breaking down the top 10 tight ends that Green Bay will be facing in 2019. If you haven't looked at this yet, I know we've kind of been going through the series of all the different position groups that Green Bay will be facing. The Green Bay Packers face a laundry list of top tight ends this season. So you're going to want to stick around for that as well. But now without any further ado, here is my interview with Packers inside linebacker Curtis Bolton. My guest today is an honorable mention, all Big 12 selection. He had 139 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and two fumble recoveries from a season ago. He is six foot tall, 228 pounds, a rookie inside linebacker out of the University of Oklahoma. Joining me, of course, is Packers inside linebacker, Curtis Bolton. Curtis, thank you so incredibly much for taking the time to join me today and talk some Packers football.
2: Yeah, no problem, man.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, you certainly kind of uh, burst on everyone's radar last year with the season that you had at Oklahoma. You had a fantastic uh, pro day at Oklahoma. So let me just kind of start by asking you: You finished your season at Oklahoma. You kind of burst on the scene a little bit last year. When did you kind of start hearing about some of the potential, you know, draft buzz and off-season buzz, and and where you, you know, kind of might ultimately end up uh, when the NFL season started?
2: You know, it was pretty much after the season. I'm not a guy that really like looks into all the uh, what people say about me, what the media gotta say about me. I just kind of just stayed the road and 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 showed up every Saturday trying to play my best ball, and I felt like it would have carried me to this exact moment that I'm in but um the moment that I felt like I actually had a decent shot was more towards the end of the season but um after I put out the year that I had going into the off season it it was it was evident it was evident for that. The year that I put up, it was it was pretty much clear that even if I didn't get drafted, I would be on a roster with an opportunity to play. And, um, you know, that's that's pretty much what I just looked into it and continued into the, uh, into this last offseason, going into the draft process, just trying to not worried about where I got drafted or or if I got drafted, just just keep working out and uh, put myself in the best possible position to, to succeed at a team when I got there. And, um, you know, that's kind of just where I'm still sitting at right now. Excellent. That well,
1: certainly seems like a positive mindset to have uh, going into the offseason. So obviously you ended up signing with an agent and, uh, you know, I'm sure starting to talk with teams a little bit. When did you kind of get a feel that maybe Green Bay might have been interested with you? I know you came in for a visit with Green Bay, if I, if I saw that correctly. So can you kind of walk me through that process a little bit?
2: Yeah, um, you know, during the during the draft processes, you get a you get a lot of calls from a lot of different teams. You know, Green Bay was one of those teams that would just uh, call me every now and then, and um, you know, just just trying to see the type of person I was, um, see if I'd be a good fit. I mean, obviously, they got the tape on the field, but they like to get to know what type of person you are. Most of the teams do that just to make sure that if they get you there, that that you're a right fit for them, and um, you know. I wouldn't say uh, pretty much in the middle of the process. I started getting calls from Green Bay, and then you know they had called me up and told me they wanted to bring me out for a, a top thirty visit. And um, you know I came out here and I, I really liked it. There's a new coaching staff. You know they said that uh that that this is a good spot to be at. That um, you know they 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 were looking to turn this thing around. You know they had a few rough years, but in the process going forward, they felt like they had a good a good handle on 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 where this team was headed and, and, and to bring this team back into the spotlight that it's been previously in recent years. And, um, you know, I came in and, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, you know, it's, it's new territory for me. And um, just out of all the places I went, um, you know, Green Bay really stood out to me. Um, you know, the coaches are are, are excellent here um you know that I, I feel like there's a lot of talent on this roster and um you know I, of course I, when i looked at the rosters i felt like this was a spot that i could that i could stick at and um you know when i came in uh you know i just loved the whole the whole vibe about green bay how it's it's it's, it's all about football out there so um you know after i after when i was going through that it kind of just uh green bay kind of just stuck out a little more than everybody else
1: Awesome. Well, Packer fans will love to hear that. Just really quickly, can you kind of tell us, and you, you went over it just a little bit, but what exactly uh, does one of those visits look like? Do you work out for the team? Is it just interview? Uh, can you just kind of give us a little bit of an insight into what those visits kind of look like?
2: It's different for everywhere. It just depends on what they want. Sometimes they just want an eyeball test, see what you look like in person. Um, other times they want to sit you down, see what you know. You know, it's just a whole a whole load of things Uh a lot of it's a uh, medical, just to make sure you're cleared. Um, you know, especially if you if you're a guy like me and you don't go to the the combine, where where they where a lot of teams get to drill out uh, a lot of the a lot of the, uh, like I mean, you get picked and prodded at the combine. So if you don't go to that, and they have real interest in you, they kind of bring you in. So you come in and you know you just meet with the coaches and, and they sit you down, try to try to uh, try to see how you see how you do with with football. Um, you know, they'll give you plays. They'll pull up your tape, um, just ask you to run through things, just see how you articulate yourself uh, to see if you can pick up the playbook and just just different ways like that. It's pretty much just a, it, it, it's it's a job interview, but it's it's centered around football
1: perfect and you kind of discussed this a little bit already but uh, you you kind of mentioned just the uh, you know Green Bay being a football town and some of the coaches sticking out to you a little bit but uh, when you kind of got to the end of the draft process and unfortunately weren't drafted uh, you, was there something that really caused you to sign with Green Bay and, and how you ultimately made that decision?
2: Yeah, it, Green Bay. Green. I told you, Green Bay has stuck out to me. Um, you know, I didn't get drafted, but um, towards uh, after the draft, I was getting, uh, I was getting a few different offers from a few different teams to 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 come out uh, as a, a, a priority free agent. And um, you know, just that's a it's a hard decision. It's when you get drafted, you don't really have to worry about it. Per se, because I mean, you're going to where it picks you up. But when you don't get picked up, you have to make sure that you feel like you're choosing the right spot. So, um, just you know, getting getting the offers you get and trying to just run through everything, um, how you fit into the roster, um, how you feel the coach likes you. It's 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 frustrating after the fact trying to trying to go through and just I mean, make sure that 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 you're sitting in the best position you can possibly be to be on the roster come fall. And, um, you know, after all the looking through the teams and sitting down, um, you know, I feel like I had a good little session on my top 30 visit with, um, coach KO and, um, the linebacker coach. And, um, you know, I really, I I like how he, I like how he teaches, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on, I'm big on coaches, um, you know, cause that, that's, that, that elevates good players to great and that elevates, um. Uh, uh if you're not ready that's a that's a coach that I f- like that's a coach Kale is a coach that I felt like if I wasn't learning myself that he could help me out a lot and um you know I picked it up a lot better than I thought I did than than I thought I would have but um you know that was a big decision to me coming here um just just how I felt about the coaching staff and um you know just just the team in general and and Green Bay's real real laid back. There's not I'm I'm no disrespect, but there's not there's not much to do. It's um it's really it's really just they focused and, and I and I like that a lot. And instead of being somewhere like like LA or or Dallas where it's just there's so many outside factors. Um, you know, how everyone draws into to, to the Green Bay Packers and, and, and the whole state of Wisconsin really it's um it was a big it was a big uh target on my list. And um, you know, at the end of the day when I picked uh to be here in Green Bay. Um, you know, I haven't regretted that decision since.
1: Well, we're certainly glad you made that decision. And like you said, Green Bay is certainly a town that uh, in a in a state, uh, Wisconsin is a state that focuses 100 uh, percent on the Green Bay Packers. So that's definitely not going to be an issue. I want to ask you about the coaches. I, I'm assuming the the inside linebackers coach you were referencing and at the risk of butchering his name, Kirk Olavadati, is that correct? Yes, sir. All right. And it sounds like he stood out to you. Uh, you're coming from a, a program where Lincoln Riley was head coach. He actually was rumored for a while to maybe come to Green Bay to fill that spot that was vacated by Mike McCarthy. Obviously, Matt LaFleur ends up being the head coach. Uh, talk a little bit about Kirk Olavadati. And then also, are there any similarities or differences that you've noticed between Lincoln Riley and Coach Matt LaFleur?
2: Coach K.O. is a, um, he, he, he's he's a great coach. Um, you know, he's not big on the screaming and yelling, but um, he gets his point across. Um, you know, if you don't know anything, he knows the answer. There's not, there's not a question that I had that he didn't know the answer or, or got back to me with that answer by the end of the day. He, um, I feel like he, he teaches really well coaching. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a hard job right. and I, I don't think people understand that. Yeah, you may know it, but can you teach it to someone? And, in in the way he, the way he teaches the way he teaches in, in the meeting rooms, um, you know, it it just I I feel like it sticks to me a lot a lot heavier than than a lot of other coaches I've had, and um, you know, I've I mean I've appreciated the time I've had there, and uh, you know, he's I feel like he's done a good job trying to get me into the best position possible to to succeed. and um, with Coach Lafleur and Coach um and Coach Riley, they're they're both young guys, but they 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 kind of carry themselves like vets they stand out when they talk, you know, it's, they, they mean business when they talk, you know, it's kind of, they have a great feel on, on, on just coaching and, and, and not a lot, a lot of head coaches kind of, kind of stay out their way or, or they're too intimidating or they're too lax. But I feel like coach, coach LaFleur is like a uh, coach, um, coach Riley in a lot of ways, just, just the football mind. I see them out there at practice. Um, you know, they're, they're the same guys that you you kind of see them picking through everything. They kind of understand football in its entirety and um you know I, I I respect I respect coach Riley like no other um you know his job was hard coming in after after taking a job after coach uh, Bob Stoops that's that's a tough thing to do and to come and elevate uh OU like he's had like he has in the, in the last few years it's just um I I can see that happening in a place like Green Bay with with, with coach LaFleur
1: yeah, I think uh, we're we're certainly excited to have Coach Matt LaFleur, and I'm excited to hear some of those similarities and uh, some of those uh, just traits that you noted. I think uh, I think he's going to bring a lot to this football team uh, kind of going into your OTAs in many camps. Has there been a player or a coach or, uh, you know, maybe I know they've kind of got like welcome ambassadors and some things like that. Has there been anyone that's been most impactful to you so far in, in your transition from college to the NFL?
2: Um, I'll say Blake, Blake Martinez, um, you go into teams and guys are just like, don't a lot of things you hear is, um, teams aren't close and guys, guys kind of look out for themselves. And that's, that's kind of what, what I tried to That's kind of what I expected to come in just from what I've heard from, from a lot of my older friends that, that, that went through the process or in the league now. And, um, you know, when I got here, it wasn't anything like that. Um, you know, guys, I mean, especially in the linebacker room, real helpful. If I have a question, I practice. I don't have to sit on it all day and wait till meetings. And to to ask Coach Ko, I can just run over to Blake real quick and ask him about it, and and he has no problem explaining it. And um, you know, just just Blake, uh, he's a, he's a real leader in that sense. Um, you know, he's there's no there's no guarantee that I'm gonna be here in the fall. And just the simple fact that he'll 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 even hear me out during the day when he's trying to get better when he when he's trying to um elevate his game which I think he's um he's taken steps that way from just the short time I've seen it, it it's 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 good to know you got a guy like that leading the defense and um you know Blake's a he's a stand up guy and uh you know I I've, I've appreciated him since I've been there
1: that's uh, a really cool story. I appreciate you uh, kind of pulling back the curtain to allow us to see that because I think so much as fans and, and even me as, as an evaluator or as a podcaster, whatever you want to call me, you know, it's so easy just to kind of look at the, the tape on the field and just try to evaluate based on that. But there's really so much more that goes into it. And, and when you have a player that has those type of leadership traits and can take younger players under their wing and really help mentor them, that, that certainly seems like it could go a long way into helping a locker room and helping a team win as well. Yeah. So let me ask you this, kind of on a, on a similar path. Uh, is there been a linebacker or just a player in general that you've really modeled your game after, and, and that's kind of a, a player that you're trying to, you know, emulate as
2: you transition into the NFL? The more, the more games I watch and the more, um, the more tape I study, I, uh, I mean, Blake, you know, he, f- he flies around the field. There's things he has to work on, but for the most part, he flies around the field. He's, he's real instinctful. He knows where he's at. He's rarely out of position. Guys like that. I, I watched a lot of uh, Indianapolis tape and um, I like guys like Darius Leonard. I think there's ways that um, that he plays that, that that I try to pick up in this offseason. Just just I mean, he he led the league in tackles last year and, um, you know, he's another guy that just runs around the field. And, and, and I think my play style, I don't think I'm exactly like those two guys. And, and they're a little bit bigger than me, but in, in a sense of just how they play and their mentality they bring to the game, those are those are two kind of guys that I try to try to uh, that I'm gonna try to emulate after their game in this in these next upcoming years.
1: Perfect. So there was certainly two really great players to model your game after and, and certainly uh, two players that I'm sure anyone could pick up a lot off of. Um, outside of Blake Martinez, uh, is there a player, maybe one on offense and one on defense, that really stood out to you in uh, minicamp and OTA so far?
2: Uh, one on defense, I'll probably say Jair Alexander. That dude's got a lot of good football left ahead of him. And, um, you know, you see it with how he comes, just, just brings it to practice every day um you know he he doesn't have anything to prove and, he, and that's how he comes to he comes to practice every day like he's still trying to prove like he he needs to be on his team um but just the plays he makes just the just the 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 how he takes uh takes lead in in in, in every single play and, and just the little things and the footwork and just i i've appreciated watching him he um he you know he does a great job every day and and, and comes comes hungrier the next day and um you know he real, really stood out to me during these uh, this this last OTAs and um on offense i'll probably say uh, uh Devonte Adams um you know he's he's a freak um, <laughs> I mean I, I didn't know much about i mean everybody knows about Devonte Adams but um just just seeing it he, he can make a case to be one of the best receivers in the league. And, and, and I, I firmly believe that now after OTAs, just after seeing what he does, that that dude's a monster.
1: Yeah, watching uh, Devontae progress throughout his career so far in the NFL has just been so fun to watch because, you know, he was pretty good from day one. But like you said, the the ability that he has to be one of the top receivers in this game and his releases and just his physical ability, uh, it's just a joy to watch him game in and game out and really break down his tape. And then Jair Alexander, talk about uh, a rookie last year uh, I've, I've been watching the Packers at practice for a long time I don't think I've ever noticed a rookie uh, make just the type of impact from a you know even it, it's it's not a a leadership. Uh, so much as like he's getting after guys and things like that. But just the the presence he has and just the the way that he goes about the details, kind of like you mentioned, uh, just from day one, his first practices that I saw, that stood out immediately. So uh, it's really kind of cool to see you as a, a player echo that and see some of those things on the practice field as well. So kind of uh, going now into training camp, you've obviously got a few weeks off yet before training camp starts. But uh, what's your kind of goal going into training camp? You know, I thought you brought up a really great point earlier that that this is probably a really great position of all the undrafted free agents, you know, I think inside linebacker is a position that, you know, has a lot of opportunity on this team. You know, just James Crawford, just a season ago, undrafted guy came in a little bit later in the process, really stood out on special teams and ended up making the team as an undrafted free agent. Uh, This is maybe one position, and this is no disrespect to anyone on the roster of course, but maybe that doesn't have quite as much depth as some of the other positions have. And I definitely see that there is, you know, an avenue for uh, a player like yourself to make the roster at this position And especially coming from a player, I know you had two big special teams touchdowns at Oklahoma a season ago. And a lot of times with undrafted free agents, that avenue to make the team is via special teams. And that's certainly something that you can excel at. But can you talk a little bit to, you know, kind of what your focus is going into training camp and how you kind of plan to make your splash and try to make this team?
2: You're right. Uh, I mean, that was one of the big things in, in, in in the choosing process of the team I wanted to go to. I don't think it, the the room lacks in talent, but, um, you know, the room was light in bodies. And that was um, I mean, that 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 was one of the biggest things that stood out. And um, I mean, me being a guy that that didn't play that only got to start in his last year of college. And I don't think I've been able to really show my full potential on the football field. Um, there was a lot of things last year where I was still just trying to get a foothold uh, uh, coming back to playing in, in a 13 game season and in a playing in a, a full time game role. And, um, you know, I I still think I have my best football ahead of me to to have an opportunity. Like when I looked at the when, I, when I'm just looking at it on paper, having the opportunity to be at a place like this and and, and have, a, have a real shot of uh, not only coming in and making the team, but coming in and, and, and trying to get on the field. I felt like that was, this was a good opportunity for me. And, um, you know, just linebacker and th- there was no mainstay guy really after Blake last year, everybody kind of really rotated around and that, that kind of stood out to me too. Um, you know, I think we have a hell of a room talent wise. I think, I think OB is, um, is a hell of an athlete and, um, you know, when, when he gets his shot uh, this upcoming year, I, I, I fully expect him to take advantage of it. And, you know, I'm a guy that um, I'm not worried about what everyone else is doing. I'm just going to play my best ball and, and the best player is going to to be on. And, and wherever wherever team needs me, I'm going to play. That's kind of how I, I progressed through Oklahoma. And that's, that's pretty much how I got here in this spot today. And um, if that's if that's on if if I get blessed enough to get an opportunity on the field, I, I, I'm I'll be ready for that. Um, if they need me on special teams, um, I'll, I'll be more than ready for that. And um, that's just kind of how how I operate. I, I'm not really focused on everybody else; more so just trying to stay ready. Um, you know, get bigger, stronger, faster mm-hmm. when I'm not in season, and then when season comes around, just produce wherever I'm needed. And um, you know, that's kind of got me here. In my in my long football career from from eight years old, that's kind of just how I've carried myself, and I'm I'm obviously here for a reason, and and um, I think that 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 kind of way I go about it will uh, take me far in this league.
1: Awesome. I certainly love that mentality, and uh, I I forget exactly the streak that it is, but I know Green Bay's had a streak of about uh, almost 10 years, maybe it might even be a little bit more now, where uh, an undrafted free agent's made the initial 53-man roster. So uh, there's definitely that opportunity here, and it's certainly an avenue that they have used uh, to their advantage over the course of the last decade plus. Let me uh, end with this today, and I kind of have this question for you. You have gone back-to-back-to-back to back to back years now where you've had quarterbacks including Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Aaron Rodgers, and that seems a little atypical of most people's career. What makes these three quarterbacks so special, and how have you been so lucky to kind of uh, be involved with teams in back-to-back-to-back to back to back years with those three quarterbacks on it?
2: Shoot, it's a, it's a blessing just going against guys like that every day in practice, just seeing it, and they all have that same, they all have that same it factor about them. It's it's the make a play when there's no play to be made, and I mean you 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 you've seen what Baker's done across the board. I don't think I, I expect the same from Kyler going forward, and um, you know Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's already proven himself. They all have that that when when things break down and things aren't going like they do on paper there's somehow a big play somehow comes out of it. And um, you know, I, I've already seen it in in the in the, in the short plays, the, the in the short, short time I've been at Green Bay, but that's that's kind of what I expected going in. I, I mean i i I grew up watching Aaron Rodgers. Um I know what he can do. But um just just having those three guys around even when things break down and just just keep learning just it, it, it kind of teaches you to to just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. Something's gonna happen. And, um, you know, uh, I think a a lot of problem in in football now is people kind of get lulled to sleep and that's how the big plays happen. But when you guys have guys like that and you're playing against that every every play all year, um, it it, it helps out both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, that and their leadership across the board, just just the foothold they have on the team. Um, you know, it, it's it's a different level of respect when you don't have to ask for it, when when you know you're one of the best players, if not the best player on the field. And everyone else knows that it, it, it it's a it's a commanding respect that 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 goes a long way for the team in a sense that your your coaches don't have to say that now it's a, a player red a player ran team. And when it's a player ran team, it goes uh, th- those are some of the best teams I've been on. And um, that, that's what I see here in Green Bay. And I, I, I fully expect this team to be back in, um, in great light in the upcoming years. And, um, you know, I'm just glad to be here.
1: Awesome. Well, like I said earlier, we're certainly glad that you're here as well. Uh, Curtis, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time and answering these questions today and joining me on the Pack-A-Day podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to you and kind of getting some of the the behind-the-scenes look of what's been going on this offseason so far. Uh, We here at the podcast, as well as our listeners, will certainly be cheering you on and wishing you the best of luck going into training camp. Uh, For my listeners, make sure to follow Curtis on Twitter at CB underscore Savage 18. Thank you so, so much again, and uh, best of luck come training camp and going into the season.
2: Yes, sir. Appreciate you having me out.
1: Once again, a huge, huge, huge thank you to Curtis for joining the podcast. I want to break down a little bit of what he said in just a moment, but before I do so, I do want to quickly tell you about Ticket King. Ticket King is the one-stop shop for not only all your Packer ticket needs, but all of your ticket needs. A couple weeks back, I wanted to bring my son Xavier to his first ever Brewer game, and Ticket King had me covered. We got amazing seats right on the third base line, and he had the time of his life. I had the time of my life just being able to see the game through his eyes, so a huge thank you to them for getting me those tickets. Uh, recently, I just bought tickets to All Out in Chicago, A big wrestling show at the end of August, they had me covered for that as well. Whatever ticket it is that you're looking for, they've got you covered. And because you're a listener of the podcast, you get an additional 10% off your next purchase by using promo code PACKADAY. That's promo code PACKADAY, all one word, no dashes, no spaces. So make sure to go to theticketking.com today. Again, that's theticketking.com. Use promo code PACKADAY and get 10% off your ticket purchase today. Now, back to a little bit of my interview with Curtis Bolton. Uh, I thought the big takeaway there was his experience with Blake Martinez. And uh, you talk about a guy that is taking on a leadership role in the middle of that defense. It is amazing to hear that Blake Martinez would kind of take his time uh, and kind of share his wisdom with an an inside linebacker like Curtis Bolton because that's certainly not something that he needs to do. And, And remember, Blake Martinez is an unrestricted free agent next year. And while you know, you can make the argument that maybe Curtis Bolton isn't a huge threat to, to Blake Martinez's roster spot or his contract for next season, the more really good linebackers that the Packers have on their team, uh, the more detrimental that that is to Blake Martinez getting a big contract from the Packers going into next offseason. But uh, I love the fact that Blake Martinez is willing to take the time, uh, train up these undrafted free agent linebackers, you know, train up anyone that's willing to ask him questions, uh, kind of take him by the side, coach him up when when it's needed. So I love that fact. And you know that if he's doing it for Curtis Bolton, he's doing it for guys uh, like Crawford and Oren Burks and, and anyone that that's willing to go up to him for help. So uh, you talk about a guy that you want taking a leadership role in the middle of that defense. I think that's absolutely phenomenal and stand up by Blake Martinez and hopefully that makes the entire interior of that defense better. And I think that's really awesome. And if he's going to be the guy that's calling the plays and wearing the the helmet with the sticker on the back, uh, I just think the, the more that he can be involved in that defense, the better. And uh, again, I just have nothing but positive things to say about Blake Martinez after hearing that interview with Curtis Bolton. Uh, but again, uh, without Uh, saying too much else I just want to really really thank Curtis for taking the time I thought it was a tremendous interview I thought it was really insightful so a huge thank you to him and uh, certainly somebody that I'm going to be keeping an eye on throughout the process and I certainly wish him the best of luck making this team this upcoming year. That brings me to our final segment for today, and that's breaking down the top tight ends that Green Bay will face in 2019. As I mentioned earlier, this is an absolute gauntlet of who they will be facing in 2019. It might be easier to tell you, first of all, who they will not be facing. The best tight ends that they will not have to face in 2019. They will thankfully not play OJ Howard, Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, or Delaney Walker. That's about it pretty much every other top tight end in the league they're going to be playing against. Let me follow that up by saying these are the tight ends that they are going to be playing that didn't even make the top 10 list. Noah Fant, the rookie tight end out of Iowa, Jason Witten, who's coming out of retirement, Vernon Davis, Kyle Rudolph, Jesse James, Irv Smith Jr., Adam Shaheen. Those are tight ends that they're going to have to face this year that didn't even make the top 10 list of who Green Bay will be facing in 2019. So Without further ado, let's break down those 10, going 10 to 1, and giving you the, the, the rundown of this gauntlet that Green Bay will have to face in 2019. Starting off at number 10 is Chicago Bears tight end Trey Burton. 54 catches, 569 yards, and six touchdowns a season to go. And Burton certainly plays better than even those numbers would suggest. Uh, He is a weapon as a tight end. He can be used as an H-back. He's a solid blocker. And that offense uses him in a variety of different ways. And Green Bay had some success with Josh Jackson kind of marketing uh, marking him up in his first game a season ago, uh, but Trey Burton is gonna be a tight end that is a difficult matchup because again, uh, if if he's in the game, you can't just peg, run, or pass. That's something that we talk about in the past where if Jimmy Graham's in the game, you're probably hedging pass a little bit because if you run, he's not a good enough run to to worry about anyway. If Mercedes Lewis is in the game, it's kind of a, a tip the other way to say this is potentially a running play. And you know what, if he ends up going out for a pass, we can probably catch up to him as well. So uh, Trey Burton is kind of the opposite of that. You cannot tell just by him being in the game if it's more likely to be a runner, more likely to be a pass. So he is a consistent matchup problem and somebody that Green Bay will have to face twice this upcoming season. At number nine is Hunter Henry, and Hunter Henry would probably be higher on this list if it weren't for the fact that he's coming off of an injury. He missed the entirety of last season, and uh, again, it's it's going to be probably a little bit before he maybe bounces back and gets back in that rhythm uh, with Phillip Rivers, but by the time Green Bay faces him in the middle of the season, uh, he's probably going to be back to, you know, his dominant self at tight end and Key and Phillip Rivers should really uh, make quite the pairing, and uh, again, he's going to be a dominant tight end that Green Bay is going to have to deal with as the season progresses. Next up at number eight is Greg Olson. Uh, Olson had a little bit of a down year. He was also banged up. He missed uh, quite a few games. I think he missed seven games for them last year. Only 27 catches, 291 yards, and four touchdowns. But uh, you talk about kind of the the go-to player, especially on third downs for Cam Newton. Greg Olson is that guy. And if you can control Greg Olson in the middle of the field, it makes your day on defense a heck of a lot easier against the Carolina Panthers. And regardless of if he's coming off of injury or if he's kind of hitting the twilight of his career, he is still bar none one of the best tight ends and Green Bay will have to go against him in 2019. Number seven is Dallas Goddard. 33 catches, 334 yards, and four touchdowns during the regular season. He really started to break out even more in the postseason last year, and this is going to be a player that is a matchup problem for years to come, and it's even a bigger problem because another one of the Eagles tight ends is going to be a little bit higher on this list. I'm sure you already know who I'm talking about, but Dallas Goddard is arguably the number two tight end on the Eagles, and that just makes it that much more difficult because the Eagles can go a ton of two tight ends sets. You already have to worry about that other tight end. Uh, now you have to worry about Dallas Goddard. So uh, he is going to be a, a matchup problem for this defense. And uh, somebody, again, as a number two tight end on a team, that it just becomes an absolute nightmare to have to cover. Number six is TJ Hawkinson, the eighth overall pick from this upcoming draft. And listen, maybe this is a little bit high for a rookie. If you're wanting to start talking, you know, talking about him over Dallas Goddard and Greg Olson and Hunter Henry and Trey Burton. And if you want to make that argument, uh, I I certainly can buy that. And I won't have any qualms uh, with that. But I watched a ton of TJ Hawkinson from Iowa last year, and this is a player that is ready to contribute in every facet of the game. He is a strong run after the catch player. He is strong at the point of attack. He's going to be a red zone threat, but maybe as importantly or more importantly, he's going to be a dominant physical run blocker, uh, maybe more than any other tight end on this list outside of the guy that's sitting at number one. So, Uh, TJ Hawkinson is going to be somebody that Green Bay is going to have to deal with for a very long time in the division, two times times a year. I'm certainly not super excited about that, Uh, but uh, TJ Hawkinson comes in at number six on this list, even as a rookie, even never having played a snap because he is just that damn good. Number five is Jordan Reed. 54 catches, 558 yards, and two touchdowns a season to go. Uh, Jordan Reed is an explosive playmaker. Uh, you can line him up in the slot. You can line him up at tight end. He can also play a little bit of H-back if you want him to. Uh, you talk about a, a player that can stretch the seam. Uh, I, I think he probably loses maybe a little bit of value here because uh, of the quarterback situation, and I, I don't think Washington's roster is just all that good. Uh, so I think maybe you can focus in on Jordan Reed a little bit more, but you also still have to work about Vernon Davis, who we touched base on in kind of that honorable mention type group. So Jordan Reed and Vernis, Vernon Davis definitely make up one of the better tight end duos in this league. And that's led by Jordan Reed and, and he's going to be a problem over the middle and somebody that Green Bay is going to have to deal with. Number four is Giants tight end Evan Ingram. 45 catches, 577 yards, and three touchdowns. And he's another player, not a great quarterback. You're, you're working with Eli Manning here. They lose Odell Beckham. So that's going to cram things up in the middle a little bit more. Uh, teams are certainly going to focus on, you know, Saquon Barkley and that should open up some play action to Evan Ingram. But uh, I, I still, I think the world of Evan Ingram, he's not going to be that inline blocker. Uh, he's probably going to play a ton in the slot and he's kind of an oversized receiver, but He has all the ability in the world to be a stretch tight end and somebody that can win at every level of the field, both short, intermediate, and deep. And uh, again, I don't know that Green Bay has a perfect matchup for him on defense, so he's going to be a ton of trouble. Number three is that tight end I was talking about earlier that's going to pair with Dallas Goddard. That is Zach Ertz. 116 catches. I actually did a triple take on that and had to double check my sources because I did not think that that was true. 116 catches, 1,163 yards and eight touchdowns a season ago. go. Uh, just an incredible season. And he continues to put together a phenomenal career. And again, just that that tag team of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, uh, Philly uses them in a plethora of ways. And not only do you have to worry about one now, you're going to have to worry about both of those guys. So it is tough enough when any of the tight ends on this list you have to face up against. But the fact that you're facing, you know, two of, you know, the top 10 tight ends potentially in the league in Goddard and Ertz, that provides a ton of matchup problems. So uh, certainly not an enviable task for this Packers defense. Number two, Travis Kelsey, 103 catches, 1,336 yards and 10 touchdowns a season ago. Thank goodness Green Bay only has had to face him once every four years. Uh, Kelsey is an absolute machine. Uh, He's another player that maybe with some of the changes in KC, uh, maybe that, you know, teams can focus a little bit more on Travis Kelsey, but uh, man, you know, Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey is one of the uh, most elite combinations in all of football and, uh, you know, I I I'm running out of superlatives to say just how much uh you know Green Bay is, is gonna have to match up with this entire group of tight ends this upcoming season. But Travis Kelsey, especially from a receiving standpoint, it's not gonna get much more difficult than he uh and like I said, thankfully they only faced him once every four years so far in his career. And that leaves me with the number one tight end that Green Bay will face this upcoming season. 88 catches, 1,377 yards, and five touchdowns. It is, of course, George Kittle, who they saw last year uh, as well, the San Francisco 49ers tight end. And this time, they're probably going to have to face Jimmy Garoppolo along with him, which will make him even that much more dangerous. But you talk about an all-around tight end. We kind of talked about what TJ Hawkinson should be well, that's already what George Kittle is, a dominant blocker, a physical presence, a guy who can run after the catch and just make every play that you could possibly want out of your tight end. He is a guy that just makes your offense better in every phase of the game. Your running game is better because you have George Kittle. Your play-action game is better. Your deep game is better. Your receiving game, just everything. You know, He, he hasn't found a way to help out the defense too much quite yet, but just the fact that uh, the 49ers are able to use him in a variety of ways and keep the ball a little bit longer probably helps out their defense as well. So uh, George Kittle is my 1A tight end. He is an absolute monster, absolute machine, and uh, it is going to be no easy task to try to shut him down when San Francisco plays Green Bay this upcoming season. So just to recap, the honorable mentioned tight ends, Noah Fant, Jason Witten, Vernon Davis, Kyle Rudolph, Jesse James, Irv Smith Jr., Adam Shaheen, number 10, Trey Burton, number 9, Hunter Henry, number 8, Greg Olson, number 7, Dallas Goddard, number 6, TJ Hawkinson, number 5, Jordan Reed, number 4, Evan Ingram, number 3, Zach Ertz, number 2, Travis Kelsey, and number 1, George Kittle, an absolute who's who of tight ends that Green Bay is going to have to face. They have some options on how they can go about stopping those tight ends. They've got Blake Martinez, Oren Burks, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage. As I mentioned earlier, Josh Jackson marked up on Trey Burton week one with some good success last year. They didn't really use him in that role as the season progressed, which I thought was a little bit odd, but they have some options. But it's going to be really dependent upon probably those inside linebackers and those safeties uh, to try to do a great job. And I think it's worth you know noting here. Blake Martinez is a solid player, but uh, you know he he's not a perfect matchup against some of the more speedy tight ends in the league. You know, Oren Burks was targeted in coverage in his short time a season ago. Adrian Amos is solid, but he lacks some of the top end speed to match up against some of the guys like Evan Ingram. Uh, certainly comes to mind as well as Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. So that's not a perfect matchup either. And Darnell Savage has the speed, but he doesn't have the height. And some of those guys who can box out like a Jason Witten, Hunter Henry, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, those are going to be guys that he struggles to cover just because of his height. So how Mike Pettin attacks those tight ends, uh, he's going to have to come up with a plan of attack because just about every week they are facing one of the top tight ends in all of football. And this is a position that is going to give Green Bay fits all season long, just because of the talent that they have to face. Tomorrow we start a brand new series, and that's going to be led off tomorrow by Dan, Matt, and Janelle. They're going to be giving you a full breakdown of the Packers' opponents for the first quarter of the season, including the Bears, Vikings, Broncos, and Eagles. So a few of those tight ends that we just uh, mentioned, uh, certainly in those four games. Uh, But they're going to be breaking down those matchups in full, and just how Green Bay can navigate that first quarter of the season. We'll finish up the rest of the week by going through quarter two, three, and four. Uh, So that's definitely a series that you're going to want to catch as well. Once that series is done, we're gonna transition in to breaking down Green Bay's position groups and how they're set up as training camp opens and we go into this upcoming 2019 season. Make sure to go to theticketking.com and use promo code Packaday to get your discount. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scotty Sports. Follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. But until next time, and as always, go pack go.